Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us today again on the program. Uh, I trust you've been tuning in every week at the same time. And uh, we really appreciate uh, your responses and your emails, your calls, and uh, it lets us know where you're watching us from and what network you're watching us on, and it helps us to be good stewards of what God has placed in our hands. Uh, for the last several weeks, we've been sharing some things in consecutive order from the book of Matthew, and for the last several weeks I was on by myself dealing with the uh, fifth chapter of Matthew, Today, again, I have with me on the program my oldest son, Jeremy, who is uh, uh, the pastor of Word That Frees on Boundary Road in Winchester, Virginia, and there will be information about their ministry on the screen uh, or their website where you can find out when they meet. They meet on Monday nights, and you would be blessed to go by and uh, be with them in one of their services. Uh, let me say also to you that if you are catching this program and you don't get us on your regular uh, television at home, you, perhaps you're watching this in a hotel or whatever, uh, you can watch us on YouTube. Or if you'd like to go back and watch programs that we have aired uh, you know, prior to this, you can go back to our YouTube page and you can uh, see on demand uh, anything that we have aired to date uh, by simply going to our YouTube page and uh, subscribe to our channel there, and you can watch it on your smart device. Also, there is an audio portion of this on iTunes, and you can watch uh, iTunes and be able to uh, um, listen to the audio portion while you're driving down the road in your car. Uh, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. And uh, we're going to get into the Word here today because I believe the Lord has laid some things on my heart in recent uh, weeks that I believe will be a blessing to you. But I'll just begin reading in Matthew 6, and probably for the next several weeks, we're going to unpack some things uh, in the Word of God that I believe will help you. It's good to have you on the program, Jeremy, good and uh, it's uh, good to have you back. Yep. Matthew 6 says, Take heed that you be not that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, and thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which sees in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men, I say to you, uh, they have their reward. Uh, here's the verse I want to kind of open with uh, today, and another verse a little bit uh, below this, it says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door. And I want to put an emphasis on when thou hast shut thy door. Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. But be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you even ask. And then he goes into uh, the Lord's Prayer, and I will deal with that in a later segment. I want to catch one more verse from this um, this morning. Verse number uh, 31 says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, 
or wherewithal shall we clothe? For after all these things do the Gentiles or the heathen seek. For your Father, your Heavenly Father, knows that you have need of all these things. But here, here, I, want, I want us to put an emphasis here. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His. I want to put an emphasis on His righteousness, not your righteousness, His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought, therefore, for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I want to just kind of really deal with this uh, today as we look at this in the Word of God. When he says to them, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things are added. The emphasis that I want to put on us today is the idea that it's his righteousness. I, I, I sometimes, I'm troubled, especially when I preach a lot of times, you know, in the United States, it seems like, you know, you can't get a, a, somebody healed of a cold. Mm -hmm. You get in other countries, third world countries, and, and places where they've not heard the gospel a lot, and you preach the simple gospel, it seems like the miraculous just happens everywhere. Uh, I begin to get concerned about that. I say, God, why is that? Why does that seem to be the case? And uh, I think the answer is simply this. In the American church, we have preached such a performance-based, uh, an earn-it type mentality that we've not taught his righteousness and we don't access the kingdom based on our performance. Mm -hmm. we, we, we enter or we access the kingdom based on the fact that we have an access to it because of his righteousness. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, of course, you know, we preached the gospel of the kingdom since I was 16 years old. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we, you know, and the, and the message has definitely progressed. But one of the things that happened in the, especially in the message of the kingdom, is we, we preach that you access the kingdom basically through old covenant righteousness. Yeah. You know, if you cross all the T's and dot all the I's, then, you know, if you do everything just right, God, God will move. Mm -hmm. The problem is nobody ever meets that criteria. Yep. The problem is, uh, you know, we're always falling short, and so that affects our faith. And so I believe that one of the things we have to do when we pray in order to receive all these things is that we have to believe in the righteousness and that our righteousness is not volatile. It is very secure, and then all these things will be added to you. And so I think one of the things that happens is uh, we've got to shut the door to the condemnation. Mm -hmm. We've got to shut the door to the guilt because the, the enemy of faith is, is really the law because he says when the law is preached, it shuts up faith. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that when we come to an understanding, and you probably can jump here and talk about righteousness a little bit because both of us really uh, put a great emphasis on this in our ministry, but righteousness in the new covenant is a gift. Yep. Because of the abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness. And I would say to people, what part of gift don't you understand? You did not do anything to earn this. And that to me is so liberating because when you begin to see that righteousness is not based on your performance, it's based on the fact that he knew no sin, was made to be sin, that you could be made the righteousness of God. So you were made Righteous. He was made sin who did absolutely nothing wrong. And ever one time did anything wrong on his part. He was made to be sin. Mm -hmm. And the, the same made that he was made sin, I who did absolutely nothing right, was made righteous on the basis of the gift of what Jesus did 
in his death, burial, and his resurrection. And I believe the moment we start to embrace that, the seeking the kingdom and his righteousness, it sets us up for the miraculous, and all these things are added. Jump in there if you have some things. Well, you know, he starts here in Matthew chapter five or chapter six, and he talks about not doing your alms yeah. uh, in front of men, right? Uh, for men to be seen. And you know, to me, alms is not just you know his tithe or what he's yeah. giving, but it's the it's the time, the treasure, and the things that you invest. Uh, that, that are for God. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was thinking when you were just reading some of this and just talking, I was thinking about the house of Cornelius that uh, when, when God sends Peter down to meet the house of Cornelius, it says to him that his alms and his prayers had come up as a reminder to God. Mm -hmm. And so Peter goes down to the house of Cornelius and he begins to just you know, he, first off, he's not even sure he should be there because this was not like, this wasn't like the old covenant system. Yeah, yeah. So he goes down to the house of Cornelius and he just begins to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And in the middle of that, the house of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit falls on him without any pretense. There's no, they hadn't kept the law, they hadn't been doing all the stuff. And I thought about even there, as you, just as you were talking, that, uh, you know, this, the, the house of Cornelius was a Gentile house. Mm -hmm. And so they probably weren't giving their alms and their prayers the way uh, the the Jews were taught to mm -hmm. do it at that time. So he wasn't doing it uh, according to what they would think would be the correct way of doing it. Uh, so he wasn't doing, but it wasn't something he was doing as a performance. As a performance, he was just there was something about his heart that was a heart towards God. And when the 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 new covenant fully came on the scene and, and Christ began to manifest Himself. Uh, the, the things that Cornelius had done came up as a reminder towards, towards God. And God said, I remember that they were doing some stuff that wasn't performance-based, but it's exactly what this new covenant is about. Mm -hmm. And God rewards them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I was thinking about, like, you know, your, uh, our, sometimes what we, I tell people like this, you know, uh, not just, and I know, I know there's a different directions, different things that you've, you're, you, you've been preaching on this shutting the door. But I've been telling people, too, that sometimes we go through some things and we have a faith and we have a, a belief. But sometimes when you go through things, those times are shaking. Yeah. And, you know, it's like when we go through stuff, you know, we in our inside, we're shaken by it. But we try to put on the good Christian, you know, the good, the precious Jesus face and, and we act like nothing's wrong. We quote all the. The, the good scriptures, and we make all the good cliches, and we say all the right things, but on the inside, there's some things that are shaken. And I tell people all the time, I said, listen, when that happens, you know, just like you, you go in and you shut your door, and I said, and those are the times that when you shut your door, you really be honest with God, mm -hmm. and you tell Him how you feel. Yeah. You know, that's not, you don't have to put on the precious Jesus face mm -hmm. with Him. You know, we, even how He prays, He's teaching them a new way of praying. Mm -hmm. See, there have been things that have been silent for a long time up into uh, Matthew, you know, from Malachi to Matthew, there was about 400 years of yep. silence. And the, a lot of that was is that there was a change. God was about to change how things were done. And so you know, when Jesus comes on the scene, he starts preaching here in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6. It's really the first words that have been heard uh, from a prophet yeah. and, from, the, and yeah. from God for 400 years or so. Yeah. And so he begins talking what he's talking about and what he's preaching about is something that's completely different than what was once heard under the old covenant system. And so he begins to teach them about alms. He begins to teach them about prayer. He begins to teach them about the Beatitudes. And, mm -hmm. and it's a completely different system than what they had heard. And so when he begins to talk about preaching or, or praying and prayer, 
one of the things I was just happened to be reading Isaiah chapter 1 this morning. And if you know anything about, and I know you know Isaiah pretty well, but Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah is really an outline of the Bible. There's 60, yeah. I believe there's 66 chapters in, in the book of Isaiah, just like there's 66 books of the Bible. And so the whole thing that Isaiah is laying out there is that uh, what they had come from and what's about to happen when Messiah, when Messiah comes on the scene. And so one of the things he starts with in Isaiah chapter 1 is he says, you know, uh, your constant prayers and the stuff that, you know, your, your broad phylactery, all the things you've done, your, your repetition, he said, he, says, I, I, he said, I, cut, I, I shut my ears to it. Yeah. He said, because I'm so tired of hearing it. He said, really, and really the heart of God in that whole chapter is that he's, he's looking for not the performance-based, yeah. But he's looking for a real relationship yes, where we sir. come in. And so I tell people, I said, you look, when you're going through something and you're in your prayer time, so you don't have to worry about making sure that you say the right these and thous and, and making the prayer good and saying it the way it, you would say it in church. I said, when you're in your prayer time and you're desperate for God, that's the time to shut the door and just be honest with God yeah. and tell him how you're feeling and, and, and be honest. And I said, and then have some time where you just sit there a minute and let him respond. Yeah. I said, because sometimes what we do is we, we pray and we pray from what we've been taught in Christianity. Yeah. You know, here's how it's we our pray. Our repetition prayers and how we got to be, seen be of men. trying to be, and, and again, trying to be holy. Trying, instead of seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, yeah. we even pray trying to be righteous in that prayer time mm -hmm. to try to get God to move on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And really what I think the heart of God is that he'd rather you just come in and be honest. And just, you know, if you're mad, be mad at him. Yep. I mean, the thing is, is God's a big God. He doesn't fall off the throne yep. the first time to get mad. And neither does that shut down our faith. No. You know, when God is going, God moves not because we're mad or, or because we're, we're not mad. God moves because he's moved by, the, by our compassion. He has compassionate heart towards us. Mm -hmm. When he sees that we're moved by something, that moves God. He yep. cares just, just as much. It's like if you have a child, when your child is upset, you become upset. Uh, I, I just was at church last night at our church, and there's some people that they're going through a very si serious situation. And for me, uh, my heart is so connected to the people at our church that when they're going through something, I've told them my emotions over things have been like, like a roller coaster because when they're moved by something, it moves me. And I said, how much greater is God moved by this stuff? Yep. And I said, so when you go into your prayer closet, sometimes you just need to go in there and just be honest and have it out. You know, if you need to cry before God, cry before God. Yeah. If you need to be mad, be mad. Whatever it is you're going through, be honest. And then yeah. give a moment for God to respond. I said, because we get used to just the prayer. And then we don't give a moment for God to respond and really give us the answer. Yeah. And God is always speaking. He's looking to, to speak some things into us and speak some things into the situation that begins to change us. And it's not based upon rather not we're righteous. It's based upon the fact that he's a good God and his righteousness is, has brought forth the kingdom. And so I thought about when you were just talking about some of this stuff, the house of Cornelius. The house of Cornelius was a Gentile house. They yep. didn't do it. They didn't pray yep. like that was taught in the Jewish culture to pray. It was a completely different way of doing things. But there was something about the way that Cornelius in his house had given alms and had them in prayer time that moved the heart of God that when the new covenant came on the scene and God was giving the Holy Spirit, that was one of the first houses God wanted to go visit. Mm 
Mm-hmm. He said, go down to the house of Cornelius because his stuff has come before me. I, I've come to some remembrance yeah. of what he's done, you know, when there was still an old, co- when I was still bound by an old covenant system. Now I'm able to release upon his house my goodness and show them that it's not about his righteousness, it's about my righteousness, it's not about his goodness, it's about my goodness, and I'm going to bless them. And in the middle of Peter talking, God just pours out the Holy Spirit upon them. And, the, and, and Peter's left there dumbfounded. Yeah. I said, that's just the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And so when we begin to, so, you know, I, so like I said, I tell people all the time, when you go into your prayer closet, just don't, don't go in with any pretense. You just go in there and you talk to God. Talk to him like you really feel like what you're really feeling. I said, mm-hmm. because that's what God wants to hear and that's what God's going to respond to. Yeah. You know, I was thinking while you were saying that, you know, uh, I hope he wouldn't mind me mentioning his name, but mm-hmm. uh, Charles Simpson uh, who was a friend of ours, who was at our conference, has been for the last couple of years. Charles uh, was one of the ones, you know, who helped really found the charismatic movement and uh, was part of uh, Hosanna's Integrity Music, whole list of stuff that he did with Bob Mufford and Derek Prince and some of those guys. But, but uh, Charles was saying something one night while we were uh, having dinner, and he said, you know, uh, he, I, uh, he said, uh, I, I often wonder how come an all-knowing, all-seeing, sovereign God would even tell us to pray. And he said, you know, here it is. And he tells you even in this chapter, your father knows you need these things before you ask. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, I I don't know the full answer to that, except maybe perhaps he just wants to spend some time with us, number one. He wants to, uh, you know, just spend some time talking with us. Like you said, in setting Mm -hmm. in... Uh, you know, a room where you shut the door and you really, I mean, just be honest because it's not about formulas. It really is not about the rhetoric of our prayers. And then the second thing I think is that prayer is so that you and I can develop as sons of God, our authority to be able, first of all, to hear from God and then to begin to make some Mm -hmm. kingdom declarations because I still believe that everything in the kingdom is voice activated. I will say of the Lord, you know. Yeah. Uh, we are snared by the words of our mouth. We are, uh, you know, life and death is in the power of our tongue. And it really has even kind of, it's something that's really a, somewhat difficult to really kind of bring you even your conversation under control sometimes. But yeah. the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It can turn things. Yeah. And so you can start speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. But you'd also, uh, another friend of mine that was with us during conference too, uh, Pastor Jim Lake from Culloden, West Virginia, said you know, that he taught a message about how uh, prayer is a word that means to set your mind like a trap for the thoughts of God. Mm-hmm. So when you go in there, you're really not just going in there to do all the talking, you're going in there to do a little bit of listening. Yep. I was just thinking, you know, one of the things is that it's, uh, uh, I think about my, I was just thinking about my prayer time. My prayer time isn't necessarily in a closet somewhere. Yeah. My prayer time usually like in driving somewhere or just yeah. in the car. But when I'm in the car by myself, that's really a lot of times where I spend time with the Lord in prayer. But it's also a time of repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean like, you yeah. know, I'm telling God all my sins. What I mean is for repentance to me is the Greek word metanoia, to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in my time of prayer, and letting just just praying, meditating on God, and, and talking to Him, and then Him Him responding back. A lot of times, there's been a lot of repentance because my mind changes about yeah. certain. Like, I, I, in other words, I'll have a mindset about a scripture and what that scripture means, and then I'll spend some time with God, and God will begin to unfold it to me in a whole other way, and mm-hmm. begin to change my mind about that scripture, and it'll and it'll just completely change my way of thinking to that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of the stuff that came, you know, the, you know how we 
preach grace. A lot of that even came for me when sitting in a basement in Columbus, Ohio, when I would just sit there and I would begin to talk to the Lord and say, you know, here's some stuff's going on, and I don't know what to do about it. And God began to open scriptures up to me in a way I'd never saw them before. I'd had a way of thinking it used to be, like, you know, it was all about my sin, how I let God down trying to make my, like, performance, like yeah. you said, I'm trying to make myself better. And then God began to open the scriptures and began to show me that, you know, you're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. And because of that, grace begins to, uh, begins to cause, it, it begins to, 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 to push away the ungodliness and bring about the nature of Christ. It begins to bring you into an identity of who he is. And because of, so, so that time of prayer completely brought a repentance in me or a different way of thinking that set me on a whole new path. Mm -hmm. And so even our prayer time does, you know, it brings about repentance. But like I said, it's not repentance like we heard in church where it's I get yeah, down there and I'm just begging yeah. God. It's that it completely changes my Absolutely. mind. And, and, and in doing that also, you know, when you think about repentance as well, as the, when my mind began to change into an identity of crisis, that was already true of me. Then the things that used to be a struggle to me, all of a sudden those weren't a struggle. In other words, the sin that so easily beset us, the more I began to understand my identity, the more God began to speak to me and change my mind, the less those things became a problem and, and righteousness began to be the fruit of who I was. Mm -hmm. So prayer time brings about repentance and change. Absolutely. I was thinking, you know, while you were saying that, and I've used this story a lot here in the last couple of weeks, but many years ago, uh, you know, when, uh, of course, we travel all the time, so I still travel, but this was many years ago that um, uh, we were traveling, and my dad was with me. He was my pastor. My dad was alive at the time. One of our elders mm -hmm. was with us, and we were staying in a woman's home in Florida. And uh, when we were in her home, uh, she said to me when I, I came in, she said, uh, Brother House, she said, I know the Lord uses you prophetically. And she said, I just feel like, you know, in my prayer life, I feel like my prayers just reach to the, the ceiling, fall back to the floor. She said, I feel like the heavens are brass. I don't believe God is here in my prayers. I just don't feel like my prayers. She said, I just, I just pray and I pray and it seems like there's no answer. And she said, if God gives you anything for me, if he shows you anything in my life that's a hindrance, you know, and she's basically looking yeah. for whatever sin or whatever, she said, you know, please, I'm open to receive it. I said, okay, I, I, I'll be open to the Lord if he gives me anything. But I said, I don't have anything for you right now. And so my dad and, and our elder and myself went into uh, the living room. We were sitting there, and uh, she went into the kitchen, started cooking water for spaghetti. And uh, while she was boiling this water for spaghetti, a little bit of the water splashed out and hit her in the arm. And when the water hit her in the arm, she let out a string of cuss words like this. And then she realized this, O-M-G, the man of God <laughs> is in my living room. And so she comes running in and she says, oh, Brother House, oh, she said, I am so sorry. She says, I don't know where that came from. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you put it together <laughs> awful well. Don't sound like the first time you probably may have used that. You articulated it very well. And she says, I don't know where that came from. And she said, you know, I know God. She said, she looks up, she says, I know God heard every word of that. And I so repent. And I stopped her. I said, sis, God just gave me a word for you. She said, it's my sin, isn't it? I said, no, it's not. I said, here's the problem. Here's what the Lord said. Yeah. You can believe God heard every word of it when you cussed, yeah. but you didn't believe God heard every word of it when you pray. Yeah. So you think God is more willing to hear your bad things 
than he is to hear you when you pray. Mm -hmm. And if we would shift our attention to uh, not our failures, and that's one of the things we're going to shut the door to here, mm -hmm. and you know, we're going to really unpack <laughs> this, so we're just taking our time uh, to really lay this out. And, uh, but if we just simply believed that God heard me when I... We had as much faith to believe God hears us or sees us when we make a mistake yep. as He does when we do good. And the truth of it is probably our good stuff out, far outweighs our bad. But yep. it's really not about which one outweighs what. It's, it's just That's just not the yep. issue here. And some of it we're going to unpack as we get on down in here in the Lord's Prayer where He said, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, that's really an old covenant concept because Paul grabs a hold of that and said, we forgive even as God for Christ's sake, has already forgiven us. Yep. So we do it not to get something, but because we've received something yep. and out of what we have received. And so, you know, I, I really think that when he's talking here and he's saying, when you pray, you know, you gotta, you got to enter into your closet. Like you said, your closet's not necessarily a, a room in your house yep. or, you know, something you cleared the clothes out and you crawl in there. You know, I knew a man one time that took everything literal. He literally literally had a closet, which is fine if you've got a space that you yep. pray in. But he also took it literally where he said, take the book and eat it. And this guy had dedicated himself to eating the Bible within one year. And this guy would eat a page of the... <laughs> Now, that's just crazy to me. It's like, boy, that's really hyper-literal right there. Because it's a whole lot more eating the Word than it is, especially if you don't have it in a printed page anymore. you got it on a device, so it'd be tough to eat your iPad. But what, what I'm simply saying is, is that, you know, the first thing that hits people's mind when they walk down a church aisle is not faith most of the time. Yep. It's usually the bad, last bad thing they did. It's the, you know, that, see, what happens is, is we don't realize that what the enemy does is he forms the weapon of condemnation against us. Yes. And he starts to, to, you know, Colossians 2 says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He took the weapon out of the hand of the enemy. Yep. The weapon in Colossians 2 is the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. That was the law of the old covenant. And so he took, he takes the weapon of the law out of the enemy's hand. That's why we are so passionate about preaching the new covenant and the grace of God is because when you preach the old covenant, you put the weapon right back in the enemy's hand yep. and you shut up their faith. And then we wonder why we don't see God move. And then we keep on preaching, well, God will move if we just get the sin out of the camp. No, we, and I believe that, that grace doesn't give you a license to sin. But here's what I'm saying is we so preach a sin consciousness that we're waiting on God to move. We get the sin out of the camp. Well, the truth of it is, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I do believe that the Holy Spirit will get rid of it. But if you're waiting on everybody to glow in the dark before God moves, that's why it's shutting our faith up. You know, even, and I'm, I'm just about run out of time here, but even when, and we'll pick this up perhaps in another segment, but even when James says, when you pray uh, for healing, he says, and if they have committed any sin, it'd be forgiven them. And so, you know, even your sin can't stop God from healing you. And we'll probably pick this up in the next segment, but we'll just start out by laying the groundwork for it here. You know, even in the great healing scripture of Isaiah 53, it says, number one, he was wounded for your transgressions. So your transgression can't stop God from moving. Number two, he was bruised for your iniquity. He bled inside, an internal bleeding. 
uh, you know, for your iniquity. The chastisement for your peace, third thing, was laid on him. What your correction was even laid on him. Fourth thing, he says, by whose stripes you are healed. So what he does is he uses those first things. Wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity, chastised for your peace. Now you can get healing. In other words, everything that was hindering you from being able to be healed has been dealt with by the power of the cross. We are running out of time, but I just want to tell you to take a moment to call that number on the screen. And uh, if you can, sow a seed into the ministry to help us to be able to take the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of his grace around the world. Go to our website and sow a seed into the ministry. It's what enables us to do what we are doing. And we appreciate you and we appreciate what you do to help us with the ministry. God bless you. Tune in next week again at the same time. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.